0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge
1: FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
2: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
1: Learn more at meta.com Metaverse Impact. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com Partners in Crime Media.
3: I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original True Crime Review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, Mabel, Oliver, and Charles look into Who Killed actor Ben Gilroy live on stage. Or was it in the elevator? TV's favorite fictional podcasters are back for season three of Only Murders in the Building. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, My Husband, and Love of My Life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of
2: cozy mysteries, Laura Bricker. Hey, Laura. Hey, Rebecca. I'm in my most... talk to me outfit today for private investigating so that I look like a sympathetic ear for people to talk to.
3: <laughs> oh, that's when you wear a floral shirt instead of like a scary black like, yes. uh, polo shirt. <laughs> you look like a like Karen instead of like a Karen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And finally, our resident Doubting Thomas, the author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hey, Toby. Hey, Rebecca. All right. So, Kevin, this is obviously our midweek show.
4: Yeah, I like how you call it that. It's a midweek show. It's a special edition. A special we could, edition. Hot off the presses. That's
3: right. We're not releasing on Thursday. The hottest
4: of our hot takes. Yeah, I
3: don't think we've ever released a show on a Wednesday before, have we?
4: Uh, not since 2018 or something like that.
3: Okay, so what, was coming, what is coming out on next Monday's program?
4: Yeah, next Monday we're going to be talking about the Netflix documentary series Who Killed Jill Dando? Or, <laughs> as I've been writing it everywhere, <laughs> it's all- Who Killed Jan Dando? <laughs> But it's Jill Dando.
3: Okay. It is Jill Dando, eh? Yeah. Okay. I was wondering, like, what what are you saying where it's not what you wrote down?
4: Oh, yeah. I still have time to cry. You didn't have to tell everybody that. Jan Dando better watch her back. Yeah. They can't see the script. Jesus. Yeah. I
2: think you said Jan Dando last week, right? Probably. Probably. Jan <laughs> Dando is pretty worried right now because she's still alive.
4: <laughs> there's a poor Jan Dan
2: what the fuck
1: <laughs> Am I it's, like when, it's
2: like when Tron came
4: out again and the lead character in Tron his name is Kevin Flynn and I guess he disappears at the end of the first Tron and there was this big guerrilla marketing campaign which was, which was like Kevin Flynn lives and I'm like I know <laughs> oh,
3: where is Kevin Flynn I know he's right here <laughs> oh my god I'm just thinking about all of our listeners like in the UK who must have been like you guys are morons Stupid. that was the biggest she was like the Katie Couric of England it's Jill not Jan alright
4: investigating OJ Sampson <laughs>
3: Geez. On Crimstoppers. Crimstoppers, yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we have a lot to do tonight. And uh, the main thing we have to do is talk about a program that we've talked about twice before on the show.
4: Mm, This is the third time, huh? I know. Should we get right right to it? Let's get right to it.
3: All right. Leading off. Roll it. Is there any foam around his mouth? Foaming would indicate poisoning.
0: I only saw blood. Mabel.
3: What are you doing? Could be natural causes
1: or
4: one of those uh, rupture things.
3: Charles, please, it's opening night and a big star in the prime of his life drops dead on stage. When we last saw our heroes, temperamental actor Ben Gilroy had died on stage at the premiere of Oliver's new Broadway show. But a very much alive Ben returns from the hospital, only to plummet to his death in the Arconia's elevator shaft.
5: I didn't realize you were going to the funeral. Why would I not go to the funeral? Well, I mean, it's more of a fancy who's who kind of thing. And, and, you know, you and Ben had
4: a complicated, but ultimately
5: copacetic working
4: relationship. Oh, I hope you gave the police a better performance than whatever that was. I gave
5: them an honest statement, not to mention a complete list of alibi witnesses and a doctor's note saying I'm too weak to kill.
3: Ow. Who among the cast and crew would want Ben dead? Oliver fears the show will tank if it's a cast member like the alluring Loretta Durkin, whom he's crushing on. Charles is struggling with both his love life and the musical's patter song. Meanwhile, Mabel is leaving the Arconia and feels disconnected from the guys. As she moves forward on the podcast without them, can this trio reunite and solve the latest murder in the building?
5: You know what this calls for?
2: Want to make a podcast with me?
5: Oh, my God, this is corny. <laughs> so corny. <laughs> I know,
2: it is. So, yeah, yeah. so corny. But it was good.
5: It was, good. It's
3: it was cute. It's, yeah. it's cute. Murder?
5: Yeah,
1: murder.
3: Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez return in season three of Hulu's Only Murders in the Building. Meryl Streep and Paul Rudd round out the cast. The show turns its focus away from true crime podcast to musical theater while providing another group of oddball suspects to investigate. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from Only Murders in the Building season three. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs up, or Thumbs Down Reviews. Now, Kevin, we should mention, we are actually doing this discussion in front of some listeners, right?
4: That's right. We have a uh, live audience here of patrons who are watching on Crowdcast. Apologies to those who are having technical difficulties and couldn't get in to see us. We will find a way to make this video available to you guys as
5: well.
3: (laughs) So, Toby, you have a really funny take on this show. Um, It's like tasteful with exceptions, right?
5: Yeah, it's kind of the uh the the very tasteful show where people say fuck a lot. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I feel like like the show doesn't change a whole lot between seasons. Like it doesn't what what makes the show distinctive has made it distinctive over the course of three seasons. It's the way it looks, it's the quality of the acting, it's just sort of like I said, like it's sort of cozy, but like just a tiny little bit of an edge here and there. Um, but for the most part, you know, their relationship with each other might have like slight ups and downs within a season, but it essentially remains constant. Um, and so it's really, it just kind of comes down to like the details of these, of these murders and they're, you know, they, they feel like they're almost besides the point because what you're really doing is you're watching, Uh, you know, Steve Martin and Martin short and, uh, uh, Selena Gomez, (laughs) Selena Gomez, you know, go about their business with a whole bunch of other really good actors and these beautiful sets. And, uh, and so that's kind of what makes the show what it is. So now that we're talking about it the third time, it's like, what made this season distinctive from the other ones? And I think there's a few things, uh, but it does make it more of a challenge than like almost anything else we do where you can just start from scratch.
3: Well, there's one big thing that made the season distinctive. And, Laura, that big thing is Oscar-winning actress Meryl Streep. Uh, what do you think of the addition to Meryl Streep to the cast of Only
2: Murders in the Building? Um, I think that made this season of Only Murders in the Building – And I think, you know, we've got Meryl Streep, who is just an amazing, she's like an icon. Um, And the irony is we have her in this role of this aspiring actress who has been waiting for her big break for her whole career. She's been waiting for somebody to say to her, where have you been all my life? And it finally happens. And I think that sort of the, the ironic play on, Having Meryl Streep uh, of her caliber and her career in real life, playing uh, this character on Only Murders in the Building, who is uh, or who has been you know working their whole career, who is now you know uh, later in age, uh, finally getting their their break. Um, but I think you've got a fantastic dynamic, which kind of surprised me a little bit between her and Martin Short. Um, I like when you see the two of them together, you're like, I'm not thinking like, oh, this is going to be a big romantic dynamic, but it really worked. And there was some scenes between the two of them that I just thought were fantastic. You know, when she's trying to cook for him in her teeny tiny apartment and like burning her pork chops by trying to cook them in the microwave or whatever, um, smoking their joint on the purple (laughs) tissue paper from like studio proof, whatever, somebody's birth party, birthday party that they were both at, like decades before. And I'm like, and you're going to smoke that weed? Okay. Um, (laughs) But I think that really brought this season just up to a whole different level for me, having Meryl Streep in there. You know, it did for me
3: too. And what was interesting was that while I was watching this season of Elimers in the Building, I also listened to uh, Tom Lake, the audiobook version of the Ann Patchett novel, which is like the latest Ann Patchett novel. And Meryl Streep actually reads the audiobook for Tom Lake. I would recommend that anybody who is a fan of any of Ann Patchett's writing listen to that audiobook. Meryl Streep's audiobook performance is incredible. And she also uh, is reading the part of an actress— in that book. And so listening to that and watching this at the same time was like an incredible kind of like meta experience. They play two very, very different. She plays two very different roles uh, in those two pieces of media. But one of the things that she does in this piece of media, Kevin, is that she plays an actress who can sing and there's actually real musical scoring in the season of Only Murders in the Building that is pretty extraordinary how do you think the musical scoring works
4: yeah i think that works actually very very well and you know if it doesn't it kind of takes away from like what's really happening you know with how the show works um i know toby actually i think it was one of our 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 good listeners here uh jeff who pointed out like the musical team behind these um these different songs uh they did uh, Dear Evan Hansen, so it wasn't just like, "Hey, let's just put a couple of folks together and hope that, you know, there'll be goofy songs." It wasn't with- the Flight of
3: the Conchords? No, 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 no. Yeah. They were
4: actually really, really good, and I think like they needed to be to sort of lend it not only to the you know the believability that you know this is really happening that they could be successful in all this, uh, but also to make it enjoyable. what's really happening here is is, as we pivot away from the show or at least the season being about them as podcasters uh, we have to you know they're like you know moving into the sort of like expressing their joy for musical theater and that has to be good right and so and that's fine and we can talk about like okay there wasn't a lot of podcast in this and that's you know um, uh, yeah so we can get into that but when they embraced the musical theater aspects of, of the show, you know, I, like, I didn't know if I was going to like this in the beginning, because it it actually took a couple of episodes for them to say, Oh, this is going to be a musical. And so then you get all this joy from the music. But I mean, if the music wasn't good, then it like really would, um, you know, make the, the rest of the season really suffer.
3: Yeah, it wouldn't work. And Toby, I, I think it's hard to, I mean, obviously Meryl Streep, has her Lighthouse song, but it is hard to um, ignore the fact that Steve Martin has an incredibly incredibly climactic scene in this show because he's obviously having all these problems on stage, delivering his big patter number. He keeps going into, you know, the White Room over and (laughs) over and over again. I love the White Room. But then we finally get to see him do it start to finish, which to me was like the apex of the season.
4: Which of the pickwick triplets did it? Who of the crew would commit this crime? My little brat, make a mommy go splat. It's a story pretty gory for a nursery rhyme. Which of the pickwick triplets did it? Which of the spawn had the brawn to kill? Will a baby get tried for that trust side? coo choo time you or you or you, to admit it. So quick as a whip, got a pickwick, pickwick triplet did it.
3: What did you think of Steve Martin's performance finally delivering that pickwick triplets song?
5: Yeah, so, uh, you know, I always, as I've said many times, like, Steve Martin's, like, my favorite sort of entertainer type. Uh, So it's always cool to see, like, yet another thing that he does really well. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, there's, I guess he does it twice all the way through. Once he's doing it at the rehearsal uh, uh, in Martin Short's apartment and the second time is on stage. And it's just, you know, it's, it's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I, I couldn't do it. So it's really uh, that. So that was fun to watch. Uh, I also liked his police uniform. I, I, I <laughs> <laughs> think maybe that should uh, people should yeah. pick up on that more in local police departments.
2: With a covered with glitter top yes. to bottom. I, yeah, I yeah. loved it. I loved they all had glittery outfits in the finale episode. That was I just, it made me so happy.
3: The four of them did, yes. The four like the you know the the three yeah. the three of them, the three central characters did. They had uh their, you know, you know why? Why? Because they were the Rolling Stones of podcasts. <laughs> Just kidding. The Beatles of podcasts. I know, I
4: knew. I knew. <laughs>
3: um, one of the things that you point out, Laura, that's really interesting to me is like loneliness
2: being uh-huh. really a central theme in the show. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So can talk about that? Yeah. And I think, you know, if you look at all three seasons of this show, obviously we have the humor, we have the quirky characters, but underneath that there is this theme of loneliness, living alone in the city. And in the first two seasons, that's really centered in the Arconia, where we have, you know, for the most part, people living alone in their New York City apartments. And in this season, we have, I think, the loneliness in the theater. And at one point, you know, we have that character that's like living in the theater by themselves again um, and like just kind of this is this is what they're doing. And I think you know when you look at all of these characters, that you know, especially our our main characters, they were all alone. You know, we have Mabel who's living alone in the big giant, um, you know, her her aunt's apartment. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, Martin Short's character who is living alone, eating like pints and pints of hummus and dip because, uh, you know, he can't afford to go eat anymore. Um, You know, obviously there was the scenes in in prior seasons where he is, you know, trying to reconnect with his son because it's it's and it's he's estranged. It really feels like he's estranged. And this season, the theme of loneliness transitions into all of these three main characters now finding love um, or at least temporary love in this season. So um, trying on something other than living alone with uh, Taubert the stupidest name ever, Um, Hobbert and um, Meryl Streep. And then we have the crazy lady, Joy, and her fish and her Kama Sutra things. Um, (laughs) But I, you know, I do think that that loneliness um, back to that kind of lends itself to finding a connection with each other being citizen sleuths. Um, Yeah, that's sort of the outlet that these people find um, when they are seeking that human connection. Kevin, what do you think about the chemistry
3: between the three of these actors this this time around? I mean, they've been working together now for a while, right? We've got Martin Short, Selena Gomez, and Steve Martin. But I I think about, I mean, Steve Martin is... Obviously, going to be excellent. (laughs) In any, I feel feel like you could put him in uh, with a slug, and he would still, you know, make something outstanding Mm -hmm. out of it. But there's chemistry is really necessary, and I think throwing Selena Gomez into the mix is was an interesting choice in season one. So, how do you think it's going?
4: Oh, I think it's great. I think the three of them. It kind of reminds me a little bit of a jazz trio, right? Where they, because I feel like like Martin and short are like the rhythm section and Selena Gomez is like, you know, a great saxophone or a piano where it's just, it's giving this melody and it's just, it's just different punches through, but also is excellent. I mean, I just find when she's on the screen, I'm just always sort of mesmerized. She also has to, you know, to kind of lean into Lara's theme here of loneliness and melancholy, which we've talked about in the previous seasons that like, her f- facial expressions just you know she like just conveys that in in this um this very easy way and of course the two i mean the two of them are also the other two that the, you know the two old guys um are just really great i know there was this recent Kerfluffle on uh, on social media about Martin Short.
3: I mean Dan Coys' terrible take on Martin Short and Slate.
4: Yeah, and then it just sort of engendered this this you know uh, lovely backlash, uh, which is just support for Martin Short. When you just sort of like quietly look at the the breadth of his career, and you know, I think I I get when they you know they say sometimes. His characters are very broad, and you wonder if he's overacting. But here, I just feel like he embraces that character really so so well, and he 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 never goes over the top with it. You know, I mean, the character's written to go, you know, to to, to eleven, and he he'll just he'll get to ten or eleven, but he's not going to go like way over that, and and you know, and sort of um, ruin the scene. And Steve Martin, of course, is just like Toby says, is great. He's a delight. If anything more, I wish they could have done a little more with him this season um, because, you know, he he really brought this great depth, emotional depth to the first two seasons. I don't know if we're really supposed to care about him and Joy. No. I don't know if we really like Joy. And so we're supposed to be upset that he doesn't have Joy in his life, but... Um, And of course we all, I mean, who didn't think like the fish was going to get flushed the second it went in the
3: (laughs) the tank? It was Chekhov's fish.
4: Yeah, but he, (laughs) Chekhov's fish, but he, he just, he he just, you know, what I say, he can just play the, not the, the disrespected actor so, so well. Um, So the three of them are great and you know, they've been nominated for Golden Globes and and Emmy Awards and I, it's just, it's super well-deserved.
3: So, Toby, there is another theme that sort of emerges in this season, and that is a theme of, like, the maternal theme. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit?
5: Sure. Well, I mean, if you've watched it, it's it's pretty clear, I don't know, starting with, like, episode eight or something, that that's, like, sort of a, a, a theme that maybe hasn't been so noticeable beforehand, but is sort of the key to unlocking the mystery and, uh, you know, solution and all that. I, you know, I thought that was... An interesting and and good uh, th- way of doing it, in that you didn't like. I think a lot of a lot of people would feel like, well, we have to introduce the te- theme early so that it continues throughout the whole thing, and you know, whatever. And you really don't get get that very much. Like, I, I mean, it takes a while uh, for you to even realize that 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 Meryl Streep has a has a child, uh, right? So um, yeah, I thought that was I thought that was good. It, it does it does signal who the culprit is maybe a slight bit earlier than would be ideal but in all honesty you know that you're not watching this necessarily for a shocking finale right you're watching it to to see all these really good actors have have fun and, and interact and and just this sort of weirdly mannered <laughs> You know, it's just not like other things. Right. So uh, it's it's sort of the rhythm of it and all that. So, yeah, I I just I, you know, kind of it kind of struck me that something's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Well, that's I guess that's the theme or that's that's one of the big themes.
4: Yeah. You know, it's sort of there is uh, has always been sort of this, I guess, parental uh, a theme that has run through it. If you think about fathers and and sons, in the you know certainly in season two, that was there. Certainly, you know it's about caring. One of the the big ways that you can take care of somebody is to support them on Patreon.
3: Oh, that was smooth. Yeah, very and smooth, Kevin. I'm just saying, I you know I don't want
4: to pander.
3: Yeah, you don't want to pander.
4: But I mean, that is kind of what we're doing here. We're pandering
5: a little bit. We're in the business section. We are
3: in the biz. that's what this music is. That's the business oh. section music. In case you were wondering,
5: nice. Yeah, I just kind of nice. checked out for a minute, so Surprise. I didn't notice.
4: Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> uh, so right now, what we got going on on Patreon is you know you could you could already have seen this episode of Crime Writers on on Crowdcast, which we made available to our patrons, at least to the patrons who didn't have technical difficulties. I know, we but feel, it's gonna
3: be available after, right?
4: It is. It is, and you know we'll have to do a uh, we'll have to do this again as a sort of a makeup. Yes. Uh, you know, maybe with for a those platform. folks, <laughs> I, maybe we'll have to do it that way. We'll figure out how we could do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you also could get episodes of Crime Writers on early and ad-free by joining us on Patreon. If you if you're not sure, you can first of all you can try, uh, you can try Patreon for free for seven days. Hmm. If you like it, you can check out the 400 plus podcast episodes that we have there. We have um, the latest. Leave it to Bricker. We do. And, you know, this has been, this has been like a big, crazy story in quaint AF Exeter. It happens to, (laughs) it deals with um, a dog who has been crapping downtown. A
2: horse.
3: Yeah.
4: Could be a horse.
2: Looks like, yeah.
4: Yeah. So, uh, Laura, what's the latest on that? Can you give us an update? Well,
2: the latest on that is I think that the word got out that I was on the case because um i saw the key suspect i saw their dog go poop i saw them pick up after their dog i have seen no giant dog poops downtown since i was canvassing the town trying to get to the bottom of this so i think the word is out which is good but i have had some dog pee reports lately so we're still in the case
4: mm.
3: ah.
2: what else got going on kevin
4: Yeah, we also have an upcoming uh, recording, uh, which hopefully will have fewer technical issues, of uh, Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast. Toby, you are going to be recording on the 16th of October, so folks who are Deep Dive members, they can uh, watch and uh, partake in uh, the recording. What are we going to be hearing you discuss this time?
5: It's, uh, It's called A Death on W Street, The Murder of Seth Rich in the Age of Conspiracy by Andy Kroll. Ooh. And it's about a, uh, uh, people probably might remember this, uh, this guy, Seth Rich, who was a DNC staffer, uh, was killed on the street uh, late at night in Washington, D.C., right off Capitol Hill. And uh, his He was death, killed
3: by the Clintons,
5: right? R- yeah, you would think. <laughs> uh,
3: but so, Why are you going
5: to give it away, Rebecca? That's right. Yeah. That's what everybody
3: thought. Everybody thought yeah. he was killed so by, by the spawned, Clintons. So it spawned
5: like a lot of conspiracy theories, really made his family's life uh, very very difficult um, and so I you know I've, I'm a little ways into it but I imagine that's where it's going and who are your guests uh, my guests are uh, Chris Joyner yay and Elise McGovern and Sarah Kalin
3: awesome it's gonna be a good panel it will yeah, be
5: a great fun. panel yep
3: Elsewhere,
4: you know, usually we, we don't have uh, two uh, podcast drops on the same day, but also out now is the latest episode of These Other Stories, the Law & Order podcast. This time we're looking at a classic SVU episode. This is great. This is from season three. It's episode 10. It's called Ridicule, and it's uh, it's special because it's Diane Neal play has a guest appearance as a murder suspect. This is years before she joined the cast as a, as Casey Novak. Uh, this People will remember this case because it's the one where uh, three women are accused of raping a male exotic dancer yes. at a bachelorette party. And they have all these discussions about whether or not men can be raped or whether it's just a really great thing for them. Have a listen. Three women at the same time. Most guys would call that lucky. So we're saying that uh, men are sex hounds and only women can feel violated? That's gender bias.
2: Most women don't report rapes. What's his thing? Can't ask that question. And wouldn't ask a female victim. We question female victims all the time.
4: Yeah, you question them all the time.
3: Elliot Stabler is garbage in that episode, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot Stabler is always garbage. He's extra garbage in that episode. That episode shows me everything I hate about Elliot Stabler. You should listen to the podcast. Uh, who's the guest on that one?
4: Uh, that is Natalie Grillo uh, from right. the Obsessed Network. Yeah, she's and wonderful. Uh, just a reminder, we're going to be at Obsessed Fest uh, the end of the month. It's in Dallas, Texas. We'll be doing a live episode of These Are Their Stories.
3: Uh, all right, so Kevin, before we end <laughs> the business section, Do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week?
4: Our Patreon patron saints are Sam Westelman and Penny Kane.
3: Oh, Sam. Bless you. Sam and Penny. Bless you guys. Bless you guys for supporting us on Patreon. Thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon. Thanks for everybody uh, who listens to this and doesn't. I hope you consider doing so. There's lots of fun stuff back there. But if you're just a listener who muscles through the business action, we appreciate you too. Kevin, I'm going to go ahead and fade that music out.
0: See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Welding instructor, Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers.
4: Anywhere you go look, there's gonna be a shortage of welders.
1: VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career.
4: The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need.
1: Explore more stories like Alex's at Meta.com slash Metaverse Impact.
3: So, Kevin, this mystery, I have to say, you thought you had it solved pretty early in the season. And I thought you did, too. And I was very impressed. And I'm wondering if you would like to share your theory of the crime with the group. And so they could be so impressed with how smart you were, which did not end up being the mystery of being solved.
4: Yeah. So I thought that, you know, what happened was that uh, Ben had a twin. Why? Because he was a child actor. Yes. And child actors usually come in pairs, twins. And then you had one Ben die on stage. You heard him say like, they pronounced him. And then another Ben shows up and dies again. So it seems like, Oh, yeah, there were two of them. And I was really disappointed because I I basically th- figured that out, like, episode three, and I'm like, oh, man, I can't play. I'd ruin the season for myself. Uh but no, fortunately, that wasn't actually what happened.
3: Yeah, I thought I thought you were onto something too because Ben was talking to Steve Martin about like how they used to work together and how he was horrible to him. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's somehow going to play into it that like Steve Martin didn't mm-hmm. know that he was actually working with two kids. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like Lindsay and Sydney Wagner from Little House on the Prairie, both playing Carrie.
4: Yeah, exactly. Like
3: FYI, that. guys, there were there were two of them. Exactly, like there that. were two of them. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, Laura Bricker, there is an incredible group of women uh, that helps advance this story, and they belong to a sewing circle with an unbelievable name that they should probably copyright. Would you or would you not join that particular sewing
2: circle, Laura Bricker? Um, I would definitely join the Snitches Get Stitches Sewing Circle. Um, it was just the setup was amazing. I mean, you know, I love that expression anyway. But when they yeah. show up outside of the store and there's actually a sign like snitches get stitches, you're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And um, and then Steve Martin is trying to, you know, do his like fake crying thing to get them in. And, uh, you know, and at one point they're like, are you trying to go to the bathroom or something like what's what's going on there? So when they go into that back room and all the ladies are there and then they piece together um, ben Glenroy's visit to, you know, them and they're ta- and you you kind of live through this sort of recreation of how and they're, you know, how he went and was working with them. And then he calls them on that night because he really wants them to come to his show. Um, but at the end, my favorite part where they're like, oh, yeah, we didn't know they were just like little old ladies. We thought you guys were like sex workers. And this one lady's <laughs> like, well, I used to be or whatever she said. It was that was that was a fantastic part of that. Um, so yeah, I just that was that was definitely there there was sometimes this season there wasn't quite as much comedy for me as there had been in past seasons. And that particular scene and that particular um part of this really brought that back.
3: So Toby, what do you think about um the way that they've sort of moved away. From the podcast itself being sort of the central point of only murders in the building because that was the conceit of the show initially, right? For uh, you know, uh, for for fans, you know, who are true crime podcast listeners, to see you know a true crime podcast featured in the center of you know this fanciful building and these these three characters, but they've really moved away from that. Do you think that's working?
5: Yeah, I mean, I don't really blame them for doing that because I think you know, that's that little like hook wasn't what made the show work. And as a matter of fact, you know, I think if you just kept doing it season after season after season, where you had to show them like, like narrating into a mic and, and just talking about this little podcast stuff um, that seems like that would just get tedious or whatever. Uh, You know, I do miss a little bit of the stuff where they have sort of fans who are sort of like, I don't know if it's really a Greek chorus, but, you know, they're responding to things that happen. And, you know, there's this sort of commentary that's going on about their, their progress. Um, so I, I I missed that a little bit. Like, I thought that was kind of fun. Um, and, and then also just sort of their... Uh, A lot of meta stuff about how how true crime podcasts are set up and how that's kind of reflected in the actual crimes that they're investigating. And again, I thought that was pretty clever. And I wish they had kind of kept going with that. But for the most part, like framing everything around, we're going to make a podcast. You know, I, I. I, I think I think moving away from that was probably the right move. He's, you know, they they touch on it every once in a while, so you know that it's happening. But I don't think anymore you necessarily need to like, you know, see the sausage being made in that way.
3: I think you're right. I do miss the meta aspect of it. I mean, there is something to them having um, a product that they are creating that about this that is. I don't know, I mean, I'm I'm probably just being like navel gazy because it works for me. There are so many jokes that were part of that in the in the first season that really worked. And there's so much sort of like happening and changing, like, uh, and conversation around the true crime podcast space now that I do feel like there is there's there's material there to, that they could be using, you know, That there could be like some ethical like I mean, there could be some jokes about sort of like the ethical problems in true crime. There could be some, you know, some comedy around, um, you know, I mean, there could be some like satirical characters be sort of based on some satirical, some some real people in the true crime space, which they did some of in season one. And I really enjoyed that. But I agree with you that it's not fundamental Um, it's not as fundamental necessarily as them like going to the pickle diner has become fundamental to Uh, me as like a, as like a, a, a place, a sense of place. I mean, the sense of place in this show is, is critical. It's not so much a New York podcast as it is. I mean, it's not so much a New York setting as it is a New York dollhouse setting, sort of like we are just in New York this weekend, Kevin, and it's like every time I go to New York, I'm not thinking that I'm in the world of the Arconia, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very very different kind of, of place um, than what you see. I don't know. I mean, Kevin, what do you think? Do you, do you really really miss the podcast content?
4: Well, a little bit, but I, you know, as I touched on earlier, I think that it would become stale if that's all it was. Um, and so yeah, I think it was creatively a little brave to move to something and something is sort of you know, unconventional as setting this in a, you know, in the middle of a musical, you know, I'm, uh, you know, it could have been a little more podcast, uh, but they used it. They used the podcast itself in a, you know, in a way that creates tension and conflict between the, the three main characters. And yeah, I mean, I guess we don't, you know, then we had our big, our big cameo from uh, Matthew Broderick. Yeah what, but Tina Fey what is this Cindy Canning. canning. Cinda yeah. canning. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
3: that actually was a good joke though, Laura, because it's like she sort of represents the uh, sort of the cancelled uh <laughs> person who kind of comes back in sort of wellness space. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? What did you, what did you
2: think of that she, she transformation She did the work. She yeah. did the work. Well, with the blonde hair. Uh yes. yeah she was taking like what was it like mud baths or something yes, like yes yeah I thought that was especially since we've just been talking about the wellness community and coaching and all of that I was like oh look she's reinvented herself so exactly. I think there's a lot of tongue in cheek references to a lot of pop you know things that we see that we talk about in podcasts and documentaries that we review that some of us might roll our eyes at and be like oh that's kind of stupid like I can't but I like the way that they do it in a funny way. Um, In the way that they poke fun at these sort of stereotypes,
3: right? What did you think about uh, Donna's uh, baby delivery while she was on a work phone call (laughs) on that giant ass cell phone? That
2: was amazing um, because it's like giant ass baby. Yeah, oh yeah, it's just like she's like talking away and she's perfectly dressed and coiffed. Everything is looking great, and then she's there like, "You've got to push." She's like, "I got to go," and like, "Ah!" "I'm like, oh my gosh, if only it was that easy." I'm producing. Yeah.
4: (laughs) I'm reproducing.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
2: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
3: All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out season three of Only Murders in the Building? You know,
4: we have a poll going on, and we've asked folks what their, uh, uh, their reviews are. And uh, we have 100% thumbs up, Ooh. 0% thumbs down for season three of Only Murders in the Building.
3: Wow, let's see if we uh, break that streak or not. Uh, Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for season three of Only Murders in the Building?
2: Yeah, I'm going thumbs up with this. I love this show. I mean, there's obviously each season there's things you can pick apart. You're like, OK, maybe this like the ending, I felt like wasn't as much of a twist as I was hoping for at the end. I mean, I did feel like the reveal of who the actual killer was after the strength of the rest of the season fell a little bit flat for me. But it, it doesn't matter because I just love the show. So I loved the additional cast of characters, people that came in. You know, we had Kimber, who's making her serum with like ginger ale and Vaseline in the theater. Uh, you've got the White Room was amazing. Ben Glenroy, who is just embodying the douchebag actor role um, that he, you know, is playing in this. And, you know, I think the three main characters... But the addition of Meryl Streep this season really knocked it out of the park. So, thumbs up. Toby Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for season three of Only Murders
3: in the Building?
5: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a thumbs up too. Um, you know, it's, yeah, if you like the first two seasons, you like this one as well. It's sort of got a unique feel. Um, you know, clearly it's something that really good actors want to be in um, because even like the bit parts are played by, you know, people who are just great actors you know I, this one took a couple episodes for me to kind of like get invested in or whatever after the first episode i was like i don't know uh but stuck it out and then there's like you know every every season's got like these great moments that you just don't get in other shows uh uh largely around steve martin but uh and this one had them too so um yeah, I mean, it's it's not, you're not going to be like, wow, I didn't see, you know, that coming from this program. Uh, but, you know, if you like the, the first two, you'll like this one as well. And it, it's a thumbs up.
3: Kevin Flynn.
4: Yeah, I'm going uh, thumbs up as well. Um, by the way, breaking news, it's been re- renewed for season four. Yay! Even if you've got, you know, sort of the cliffhanger uh, at the end there. Uh, yeah, I think it was great. It was great. It is not. You know, it's not about podcasting, even though it was, you know, that was, it, you know, made it very personal for us to see it play out that way. It's always been about these three characters and what they're going through, their struggles. And that makes the comedy more poignant as well. Um, it was put together. Really great. And, you know, as far as the mystery goes, wasn't that bad. Wasn't that bad. Again, I thought I had figured it out. And of course, I was wrong. So maybe I'm good guess. though. (laughs) It was a good guess. It was definitely a good guess. These are three great actors. They have been praised critically and not just by crime writers on, Um, you know, I'll never get over Steve Martin not following me on Twitter. And I will never be able to because it's X. It's oh. So sad. You
3: know, if you ask nicely, maybe it'll happen. That's how that's how Toby got it.
4: Yeah, I know, but Toby pandered more. I don't know. I'm pandering pretty hard, right?
3: No, you just have to Toby literally <laughs> said, Steve, I would love it. Like, he like asked. Like he was not, I think I said he was, he was the really only
5: person I really cared if they followed me on Twitter.
3: Yeah, like he was oh. just really direct. Yeah, he so just really Do you direct. You care I just and laid it on the line. Care?
5: I just, I just can't,
4: like, really.
3: I'm so grateful for it, and I, I, I check. I check, like, at least once a week to make sure he still follows me. I still can't believe he follows the show. I, I'm sure
4: Steve Martin isn't even on Twitter he anymore. Doesn't about it. He doesn't care
2: He tweets. I'm no
4: one. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, I'm not going to trade my vote for uh, whether or not Steve Martin follows me on Twitter, because it's just a joy that he's doing this. And I know probably this might be, he's kind of into, like, Only Murders is his last project before he retires and enjoys the spoils of his labor, but uh, I kind of hope that uh, they continue on for a couple more seasons because it's been really great to watch them. If you haven't started it, go back and finish this season because it's a thumbs up.
3: Yeah. Thumbs up for me, too. I love this show. And it's not called only podcasts in the building. It's called only murders in the building. So we should stop complaining about the lack of podcast content. That's not really that important. Um, I've really been paying attention to Martin Short's performance this season, especially since Dan Coyce from Slate wrote that terrible freaking take about him that got uh, rightfully completely ripped apart on social media. Uh, Martin Short. Yeah. People say he can, you know, be over the top. He can be a scenery chewer, but man, can he act with his face. He is the most soulful man when you watch him, especially if you watch him like with the volume off, you know exactly what is going on with Martin Short. And I have fallen more and more and more in love with him uh, as I've watched this show and his performance this season, especially his scenes with Meryl Streep, He is acting with Meryl Streep and he is like bringing it and I'm just so unbelievably impressed with what he's been doing with the material uh, That he's been given in only murders in the building Um, to me like his storyline with her was really the heart and soul of season three and given some of the themes that have happened and were sort of woven throughout the season like that's to me enough of a reason to watch season three, but um despite the fact that it had a little bit of a slow start it really really picks up of course Paul Rudd who we didn't even talk about is a gem Mm -hmm. and I've always been in love with him ever since Clueless well maybe even a little bit before that anyway huge fan of Only Murders in the Building and season 3 delivered so yeah big thumbs up for me for Only Murders in the Building season 3 that's gonna do it for us but before we go Lara Bricker do we have a cat of the week this week
2: (laughs) Oh, yes, we do. So this cat is a cat that won an award. Now, who knew that a pet insurance company actually gave gives out an award for cats um, or pets that have the most unusual (laughs) claims? So this cat won and the award is called the Hambone Award and it is been given out now for 15 years When a dog got mild hypothermia after getting stuck in a refrigerator and eating an entire ham. And when they (laughs) opened the refrigerator, they found the dog in the bone. Heidi Serrata of the Nationwide Pet Insurance, she's the president of Nationwide Pet Insurance, told CNN, that inspired us to create the Ham Bone Award for the most ridiculous medical claims that we have had for the pets we insure. So in this case... The cat Giles, who you're seeing there with his lovely trophy, his ham bone trophy, his owners, Caitlin and Reed, said there is only one rule in their New York apartment. So this is, again, this is a New York apartment theme here. Um, when you're putting the couch back together, you have to make sure that Giles isn't under the couch. Well, Reed's parents were visiting and they were sleeping in the sofa bed and they'd been very good about this until the last day. They were busy. They were getting ready to leave. They put the sofa together, forgot to look underneath. All of a sudden, Giles is trapped in the sofa um, with some facial injuries that did need some stitches. Um, So I just thought that was hysterical. I will tell you when I went to cat detective school that um, one of the places they tell you to look for missing cats is like inside couches because a lot of times they will hide there. But in this case, this cat actually just got stuck there when they folded the couch up. So um,
3: there you go. Kevin, it's just like where the remote control always is when I ask you where it is. <laughs> Inside the sofa. Inside the sofa. All right, Laura Bricker, if folks want to nominate their animals, any kind of animal animal to be pet of the week, cat of the week, especially if they have a ham bone award, how can they find you online?
2: They can find me at Laura Bricker on Twitter. It will always be Twitter to me.
3: Toy Ball, what about you? How can you be found online? I mean, we know Steve Martin was able to find you. So how can others find you as well? It's
5: at N H
3: and Kevin if Steve Martin wants to follow you how can he do that
4: I'm at Kevin P. Flynn Steve
3: <laughs> and if you want to follow me on Twitter or love Instagram you, Steve you can find me at Reb Lavoy. love you and Roxanne you can also follow the show it on Twitter it changed your career it really did at Crime Writers On and I encourage you to join the incredible community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group what do you think of the jerk Kevin we also have a regular old Facebook page by the way <laughs> get episodes early and ad free at patreon.com slash partners in crime media you'll also get the Crime Writers on After Show, Mary with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcast. Father of the Bride. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the very handsome Livy Burdett. Devin Executive Producer. The executive producer of We'd we'll be, be able
4: to do Father of the Bride if he hadn't done Roxanne. It sort of just <laughs> changed the way, instead of going from that really broad, that comedy Kevin that he could.
3: Flynn. This show was recorded the in the with Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird yeah, Cafe different. in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, The Closet in our New Hampshire basement where I also get to make a true crime podcast with two old men. Hey, now. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you...
4: Later. Later.
3: I wonder how our levels are out there.
4: Yeah, I don't know. Every time you touch something, your volume goes up and then way down. It goes up and then way down.
2: Like, pints and pints of hummus and dip because, uh, you know, he can't afford to go eat anymore. Laura,
4: Laura, Laura, I'm going to stop you. We're having that issue with your microphone. Oh. You're going, It's going like this. It's really it's okay. going up and down and like, up and it's down. Like
2: surfing a wave of audio. Okay. Yeah. I'm can holding see, it can... steady right now. I've if got you my could, cursor if, on if you, it. Yeah. Because what happens is it just sort of spontaneously goes up and there's, like, no warning to it. Okay. So, I'm going to hold my cursor right there. Okay. Okay. Um, okay I don't know I don't know why it's doing that that is so crazy Um, so yeah so it's uh, still happening it's still happening yeah Yeah.
4: are you you've got your mouse and you're manually holding the yeah I'm manually holding
2: the recording volume so that it doesn't jump up okay so now I'm holding it like even okay now I'm holding it with my finger down had some dog pee reports lately, so we're still on the case. Mm. Ah.
3: well, I'm having some reports of you needing to continue to ride your levels on your microphone. Just I'm FYI. holding
2: it like right <laughs> in the middle, and it's not even. Just I FYI, I don't just know keep what's going on. It. on. So, so it we're t- sitting forward in your seat and just keep an eye on your levels. I yeah, I am, and it's um, I'm holding it and it's staying at the same volume, so I don't know why no, it's, it's doing now. that. Okay, okay. And then you get there, and there's uh, just all these. I don't know what is going on. I'm, I'm really sorry about my levels, you guys. I'm holding it and it says I'm at 0.42 and it's just going haywire. Um, hmm. Maybe you just stop holding it. Yeah. That might be. What if we the could just hold? We'll just, we'll just live with your levels for now. <laughs> okay. Well, then they just go up Let's even hi- higher when I stop. Well, so. then pull
4: them down, but if you're holding it, it might.
5: Uh, okay. That, that might be doing something.
2: Okay. <laughs>